You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 142. In this episode, I'm speaking to Laura Belgray about how to write emails that sell rather than investing into Bitcoin. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Laura Belgray, who is an award-winning copywriter and founder of TalkingShrimp.com. She helps entrepreneurs find words that make buyers want to buy. Her course with Marifolio, The Copy Cure, helps you find your voice and sell your anything. Laura has a gift for you over at Sigrun.com forward slash 142. Make sure you get it so you can write better copy that converts. I'm so excited to be here with Laura Belgray, who I know from the internet, you could say. <laughs> and uh, I think I first heard of you inside B-School and you have the Copy Cure online course. And then actually we did work together for an hour on my copy. And I'm so excited to have you here on the show to not talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very excited to be here and not talk about Bitcoin because I mean like was that an opening to admit that I bought some? No, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> it was a big mistake. No, we're so, you know what? I'm holding on. I'm holding on. Um, I bought it with the hope that it will one day reach a million because yeah. that's what somebody said and I listened. And yeah. so I'm just going to hold it and see what happens. But anyway, we're not talking about Bitcoin. No, not at all. And probably will come up a few times because now we have kind of put a hook in our head. You know, it's yep. like, don't think about a red car, red car, but you then think about a red car. So, well, especially because you're in all red with red headphones. How am I going to not think about a red car? Exactly. There's one behind me, you know? Uh, yeah, thanks. Good luck to them. Yeah. <laughs> you are known for helping people write copy that converts. And a lot of people struggle with that. So not talking about Bitcoin, learning how to write copy that actually converts is a topic that interests my listeners very much. And especially the email part, because they often what I see my clients struggling with, they're so factual in their emails that it feels like there is no connection, you know, and then there's no storytelling and, and then it doesn't convert. But how do people actually train that or change that or learn that? Right. Can you yeah, learn it? A hundred percent you can learn it. I mean, the first thing is most of those people who are writing these dry, boring, stiff emails are perfectly capable of writing a great email. I'm sure most of them write emails to their friends all the time. I mean, now it's probably text, but they have written fun, personable emails. And so all they have to learn, this is not all they have to learn, but the first thing they have to learn is to put that same personality into the emails they write to their list. Every email you write to your list should feel like it's an email to a friend. 
as far as I'm concerned. And I'd say unless you have a business like a funeral home, in which case you want it to be maybe a little bit more formal and respectful. You know, you're not going to sass it up and be like, you know, hey, girlfriend, sorry, someone kicked the bucket. You know, come on down and we'll hook you up with a sweet coffin. But if you're writing to your list, if you have a business, any kind of service oriented business, like what are your, your people are? Coaches, service providers, are they healers? What are yeah, like, also healers? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. So people are going to hire you and buy from you because of who you are. I'm sure we've all heard of the no like and trust factor, right? Yeah. Like we buy from people that we know, like, and trust. Yeah. And email is such a powerful opportunity to get people to know, like, and trust us. And it starts with the no. Like if you put your personality into your emails and become knowable to people, they feel such a strong connection. I get, I get emails from people all the time saying, I feel like I know you. I feel like I'm living in your house. Um, <laughs> or I feel like you're living in my house. That is the feeling that you want people to have. Because even if they're not in a position to hire you or buy from you, When somebody asks them, like, hey, do you know a good life coach? Or, hey, do you know a good accountant? Or, hey, do you know a good copywriter? They can say, yeah, I actually, I know a great person. Mm. Because they feel like they know you and they will mention you. Yeah. But what if, like, let's say you are selling something and you use your story. Like, your whatever, your life-changing story or your success story. And one comment I get a lot is that, I feel I've been telling this story again and again and again. Like they they get tired themselves of the story and feel that they couldn't talk about it again in the next launch, let's say, in the next launch. It's like, can I really bring it up again? And I think, well, let's ask the expert. (laughs) I love that question. Actually, nobody's asked me that. You know, they've asked me like, how do I put my story into it? Or is it okay to tell my story? But not what if I'm sick of my story and I'm telling it again and again and again. I say absolutely tell it again and again and again. I mean, think about the people that you admire, whether it's online or out in the world or people who you consider like powerful figures or celebrities or icons of any kind, just somebody who inspires you. Don't those people tell the same story again and again and again? Like, haven't you heard the same story over and over and over? And sometimes you're like, if you're a hardcore fan, you're like, yeah, I've heard this before, but you still listen to it and maybe hear something new in it and get re-inspired by it. Or, you know, if you're tired of hearing it, like all the better for that person that you've heard it so many times that you're already tired of it. That means you are a serious hardcore fan. So <laughs> I so think of Tony was, Robbins when yeah, you say right? this. Yeah, yes. Tony Robbins <laughs> with his story when he was 17 years old and, and, you know, they couldn't afford food or, you know, he was a bit younger, but they, yeah. Right. They couldn't afford food. And you know that story and you could recite it, right? Yes. Yes. So how great to have people who can recite your story back to you or to other people. How great for people to know it so well that they're able to tell it and they're not telling it like, you know, um, she was living on someone's couch. No, was it a couch? No, I'm not sure. Maybe she was living in her car. 
No, she wasn't homeless. She was fine. I forget the details. Anyway, she's really inspiring. You want them to know that story word for word by heart. So I say, by all means, repeat your story over and over and over, even if you're sick of yourself. Like my sister does stand up comedy and she has this problem too. She feels like, often feels like I have to reinvent the wheel. I have to write a whole new set every time I go up in front of an audience. And I have like, I remind her, I'm like, like, who are the comedians you love the most? And she might say like Louis CK or I like, I forget who she's into right now. Um, but I'll say like, what, what are your favorite bits of theirs? And she can like recite a few. She can think of a few that she loves. And I'm like, isn't that because you've heard them again and again and again? Like, do you get sick of hearing them or do you listen to for new nuances every time they tell it and get to know it and feel like, oh, I know this part and get excited to hear it again? So she's like, you're right. So she has, she keeps that in mind now and tries to get herself to you, reuse her material again Such and again. a good reminder. But if we remind back, have you always been a copywriter? How did you get into this? You know, the first few years of my life after college, I was a bartender, like a loafer and um, practically a professional barfly. I just sat in a bar and I wasn't even drinking. I drank Diet Cokes. Everyone's like, what is going on with you? So I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew that I wanted to write in some way, but I'm like, what am I going to write? I didn't want to start writing a novel or a screenplay. I didn't really know how. I didn't want to be alone. And I lucked into a job fact-checking for someone named Lisa Bernbach, who had, she had written a book, like a huge runaway hit called The Preppy Handbook. And this was in the 80s when preppy was huge, right? And then she got a deal to write books about colleges, like a, her own take on a college guide. A friend of mine called me one day at 11 a.m. and was like, you know, are you sleeping? I'm like, no, I'm not sleeping. It's 11, but I was sleeping. She was like, come in, we need somebody today. Come on in and you can help me fact check for Lisa Birnbach. And I knew who she was. And I, you know, I ran in and, and started the job that day. And it was just like a casual freelance job, but she brought me over to Spy Magazine. And I thought I was going to maybe write articles. I was an intern. I didn't have any ideas for articles. I just couldn't think of anything. And uh, when my internship was up, I was lucky enough that they liked me there in the office and hired me over on the ad side. And so they were writing not articles, but they were writing bits of copy to get advertisers to advertise, to buy space in the magazine, right? And they were also writing advertorials. And so they hired me to write an advertorial. Do you know what an advertorial is? I'm going to explain it. Okay, so an advertorial, when you're flipping through a magazine, is one of those pages that you're like, ooh, this looks good. And then you realize like very subtly up in the corner that it says special promotion. It looks like it's part of the magazine and feels like it's part of the magazine, but is actually an advertisement in the form of editorial. So it's advertorial. So I wrote a page, um, one for doers and it was like kind of a mixed page and it had a quiz on it. Like, do you party like your uncle Marty? And it's like a, a quiz to see if you are an old loser. 
or a fun person. And like, if you're a loser, then you need a, you know, splash of doers. And it had some other, some other things in it, but they really liked that and hired me to stay on. And that started my career in copywriting. You know, I hadn't really been looking into it. I knew advertising looked fun. Yeah. And this is closely related. You know, if you can write good ad copy or advertorials, that's very close to a sales page or emails yeah. that convert. You know, it's it's very close to pretty much everything that we're doing now in our bi- online businesses. Almost everything we're writing is advertorial. If we're writing emails to our list, that is either selling something or getting them to stay engaged and and it's basically just branding us and keeping us top of mind while while providing some sort of entertainment, some kind of story or useful tip, that is advertorial, essentially. That's very true. That's very true. So if people feel like, okay, yeah, you tell me like I should write to a friend, but then they write a story, but how do they bring that to their product? Okay. So first of all, um, storytelling is really important. That's what's going to keep us hooked on you, right? But so two things, not every element of story has to be an entire story. Not everything has to have a beginning, middle, and end. Sometimes it can be just a fragment of a story, and it can be about you, the writer, or it can be about the reader. Like, I might start an email with, the other day I was walking down the street and tripped, and of course looked around to see uh, what had made me trip so I could blame it. And then like, who knows where that's going, right? But I could also start with, Like, hey, Sigrun, you ever walk down the street and trip and then have to look around you and behind you to see what made you trip so you could blame it? So that's also story, but it's about you. So they're all different forms of story that you can use. And that's just a little moment of story. But you can can tell an entire story. Either way, what you want to do is get good at the segue, the art of the segue. So sometimes a segue might be awkward. And it might be like, and here's the awkward segue. Um, Today I'm, you know. (laughs) Promoting this. Yeah, exactly. Today I'm promoting this, um, but like wanted to warm you up with a story. You might be blatant about it. Or it might be like, what am I talking about with that tripping on the sidewalk? Like we all have uh, humiliating moments, but um, one thing that doesn't have to humiliate you is your copy. Here's a, you know, here's a link to a new product I have that's going to keep you from making humiliating copy mistakes. <laughs> okay. We better get that so we don't <laughs> right, exa- make those mistakes. Exactly. I might have to write that email and create that product. Yes. <laughs> right. But so it takes some practice, but um, it makes it possible for you to write about anything you want to write about. If you get good at figuring out the connection and segueing mm-hmm. to the call to action. Yeah. And the subject line, do you write that afterwards or before? It's a mix. I often write it afterwards because I'm not always sure where I want my email to go. Um, I kind of freeform it. And then once I've written the email, I find like the, the juiciest angle and write a bunch. Like I usually mess around in a Google Doc and see like what, what looks best to my eye, what looks most teasy and intriguing or resonant. 
to the person reading. Or sometimes I'm like, you know, I've done enough really super short teasy ones lately. Maybe I want this to be blatant about the value of the email, like what they're going to learn. Or sometimes I make it mysterious. But so I usually write it afterwards, but it's just as valid to write it beforehand. Or if you've got a really great idea for a subject line, write it, write the subject line and then let the email follow, like, and fulfill the promise of the subject line. Yeah. And how do you know if the email has worked? Is it, you know, we're not always selling with every email because that would be not good. But how would you know if it's a good email? If it's somebody writing back to you, open rates, click rates? It's all those things. Like sometimes I write an email that's not selling anything or even driving to a blog post. And for those, my biggest tell of whether it worked or not is how many people write back to it. And I do ask people to write back, which is very effective when I want them to write back. If I don't say anything, some will write back. If I say, hit reply and let me know this or this, I'll get tons of emails back because people love to interact and they love to feel heard and seen and like to engage with you. They feel like you're their friend. So they want to make that real and write in and have a correspondence. It's like a, a pen pal thing. So that's one measure, but clicks, first, I mean, opens are always a, a measure of success, like of your subject line and also the teaser copy, you know, the, the preview copy that you see, like when you look at your, look through your emails, that little bit of it, that's important too. And the open rate is a measure of how much people have been liking your emails as a trend. Some people will open anything you send to them. But it's really a measure of how good the subject line is, because you can see some emails get open more than others. And generally, it's the subject line. Yeah. My best open rate was when I wrote yesterday, I got a creepy email. And it was an actual like something that happened to me. It was like someone who wrote to me in uh, a mixture of Icelandic and German and English, all the languages I speak and was asking me where I would be at Christmas. And this was like two days before Christmas. And I, I, f I freaked out. That's really weird. And who was it? Was it from just an anonymous person who somehow? Yeah, I tried to track the IP address and everything. So yeah, obviously someone hiding their tracks, but I unsubscribed and blocked the email address. Maybe that person is on my email address today, but I never heard from them again. But I wrote an email about it. It was the best open rate I've ever had. Yeah, I would open that in a heartbeat. A creepy email, like any words that have some sort of tension in them do really well. It doesn't have to be necessarily negative, but tense. And the word creepy is really a tense that has some that promises conflict. So a little bit of conflict is really good in your subject line. That's a winner. That's a winner. So if uh, someone says, okay, maybe I'm a good copywriter, maybe not, but my, my words are getting a little bit boring. So a lot of my listeners are non-native English speakers, but they're maybe doing a uh, business in English. So is there a list of words that would, you know, call these emotions forward? Hmm. Maybe you should write That's the book. A, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, when you're a non-native English speaker, I think your, your best bet is, well, first of all, onelook.com is a great one. It's hard. It, I think it takes practice to know the nuances of different synonyms. 
Like, does this one have more pull? Is this one more compelling than another? I think that takes some practice, but it's worth practicing. It's worth passing by somebody who knows, like having a buddy that you can bounce ideas off of who speaks, you know, who's absolutely fluent native English speaker. And you can say to them, like, which of these words would make you click open this email? Which of these words gives you goosebumps? Do any of them? Is there a better word? I think it's really important to have someone. You can ask that because Google won't do it for you. No, that's true. It has to come from a human being. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so once the email works, people click somewhere, then they go to a landing page or a sales page. And do you have a special process? You know, I, we know the typical process of pain points and benefits and testimonials. But what beyond that would you recommend that people focus on? I think the headline is everything. Yeah. And those sub-headlines are everything. I have a structure that I like to go by. Sometimes I change it up. I call it the, the Gusta formula. We have it in, um, in the copy cure. Yeah. And I can tell you what it stands for. And the copy cure gets really into it and shows you examples and all that. But it stands, so it's Gusta. Grab attention, U is for understanding, S is for sh show the solution, like the here's what I've got. T is for trust. And trust obviously comes from like who I am and testimonials. And A is for action. Okay, so you've got it all there, action. So you want all those elements and to have them in that order works very well. You might shift it up, you might put testimonials at the top. And that I actually think testimonials are, a, are an underrated element of a sales page. I like to see a testimonial at the top. I like to see them sprinkled throughout. I don't want to wait till the bottom to see like what others are saying, because those are where the real trust comes in. Did this work for somebody else? And okay, here's one mistake that a lot of people make with their testimonials, especially for a course or coaching, any kind of a process, their testimonials will all be from people who gave the testimonial while in the middle of the course or just after the course. And they will say things like, you know, I just adore Sigrun. She's so inspiring. I'm loving every moment of this course and I can't wait to see what the future holds. And it's like, well, what happened? What's the after? What happened after the course? Did they get results? Did it transform their life? Did they make more money? Did they become more beautiful? Like I want to know the before and after, not just how they felt in the course. You know, we've all had enough of courses um, and other things that feel great. And then we walk away with nothing. Yeah. So you recommend going back to people possibly 12 months later and, and checking how they're doing? For sure. And saying like, what results did you get? Not everybody is going to be able to say like, oh, my life transformed, but find the ones who have specific results and they might be small, but you can highlight it. And those small wins are really important. They're what people are looking for. They're looking for big wins and small wins. And you have to remember that one thing that you can do is kind of keep track of people. If you're really good, you will check in on people and see how they're doing because you want them to succeed. So you might want to check in with them and remind them how far they've come. Even long after, if we are talking about a course, even long after a course or a coaching session, you continue to sell them what they already bought. 
they will be happier with it. If you say like, I remember when we started, you were afraid to even have someone take your picture. And now I see you doing these Facebook lives every day. What incredible progress. I'm so proud of you. Like, congratulations. They will then remember how much you helped them. Yeah. And maybe otherwise they forgot. Yeah. Otherwise they might forget. They might forget what like how you help them. So it's good to rem- check in, remind them, congratulate them, celebrate their wins. And then they will be more inclined to recognize their own wins and share them with you so that you can highlight them in your copy. Makes sense. Yeah. Now coming back to Bitcoin. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what made you, you wrote this uh, amazing blog post that went viral uh, not too long ago. What uh, inspired you to combine writing copy and talking about Bitcoin. Uh, So the blog post is called, I think, Screw Bitcoin, Here's Something That Really Works, or Here's What to Invest In Now. And it was a blog post all about email, writing emails that sell, because email's such a great place to invest your time, your energy, your skills, and your money and barely any money. I mean, there's such a high return on your investment. Email is really cheap for what it gives you. So that's what the email was about. And the title really came from two things. One was um, seeing stuff about Bitcoin all over my Facebook feed and all up in my inbox, like every day, stuff about how Bitcoin is like, Bitcoin is the next big thing, or don't invest in Bitcoin, do invest in Bitcoin, don't invest in Bitcoin, you've got to know about blockchain, like all this stuff. And I'm very susceptible to any promise of sudden wealth, even <laughs> though I know it's bullshit. Um, so <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help like opening some of those and watching some of the videos and getting excited about the potential of Bitcoin. And I had, I guess this was in December when I wrote the blog post. In September, I'd remember talking to friends about if we only spent like a hundred bucks, we'd now have like $4 million. That was in September when Bitcoin had hit, I think, 4,000. And then by December, it was up to like 17,000. And so I like couldn't help saying like, oh my God, no, like who knows where this could go. I will feel so bad if I think like months from now, I could have gotten it at 17,000. Um, so, so I bought a little bit, not even a whole Bitcoin and now it's tanked. But anyway, I was inspired by that obsession and the fatigue of hearing about it. And so I I put it in the email, but the kind of the moral there is write about what you're obsessed with. Use it to inspire topics and subject lines and headlines and even all the content. And that's why it went viral. It was, you know what was going on and you were obsessed with it. And then you just took that title. I, I think it's brilliant. And I, I think that's what something, you know, the listeners can learn from is whatever is on your mind, you know, write about that. Yes, absolutely. When, especially when it's fresh on your mind. Yeah. And when you're really excited about it or sick of it or obsessed with it in any way, it will capture the imagination of other people too. And if you have continuing themes that you're obsessed about, whether it's in your emails or all your content and your copy, people will know you for it. It was like what we're talking about repeating your story over and over, right? People will start to think of you. Like if you're obsessed with Bitcoin and are always talking, mentioning Bitcoin, then when someone hears about Bitcoin, they're going to think of you. 
there's going to be little reminders of you all over the place. So attaching your name and brand image to something that you're obsessed with is a great idea because people will start to think of you more. Yeah. And that's what's about because you want to be top of mind. Yes. Top of mind. Yeah. I have a piece in that email post. It's about the coat of arms. If your listeners go and read that, they'll see what I have to say about developing, creating your coat of arms. And it's about like finding the things that you're obsessed with that are your sort of your shield, your, um, your calling card. Yeah. And that's what makes us unique. So obviously everybody says Sigrun, red. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Now when I see the color red, I'm going to think of you. Like when I look at my own sweater, which has little red things, cherries on it, I'm going to think of you Yeah. instead of thinking of fruit. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty yeah. powerful. And I'm going to think of you when I think of email and Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Think of me when Bitcoin is tanking. Oh, I wish it goes up for you, especially. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Laura, for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. We can talk forever. Hope to meet you one day somewhere in the world. Yeah. yeah. Let's make that happen. Let's make that happen. And yeah, thank you for your time. Ready to turn your passion into profits? Get free access to the seven stages of a profitable online business by going to sigrun.com forward slash 142. There you'll also find gift from Laura so you can write better copy that converts. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.